episode 31 of the smoking steak podcast uh i am your host peter and as always i am joined by enric the other host of this pod enric how are you tonight i'm pretty good peter how about you i am doing well we had a bunch of exciting football this week i know i probably say that every week but wow was it true when you look at the full uh picture from the champions league in europe to all these dramatic fixtures and games in uh in south america uh we really were treated to a great week of football so let's just dive right in uh no need to talk about the weather or any sort of uh <laughs> other things going on uh on this week so let's go straight to the Paulista sao paulo state tournament the group phase has ended uh we have our knockout round finalists uh, in both the actual trophy and the interior uh trophy um uh, some of the more mundane uh, fixtures, Guarani and Palmeiras drawing nil-nil, uh, Corinthians uh, beating up on Santo Andre 3-1. Uh, but like we uh, previewed last week, the big two fixtures, those second places that are up for grabs, that, that were up for grabs, uh, Botafogo, uh, and uh, Santos, of course, uh, looking to uh, progress to the knockout phases. Both teams, of course, were in action. Uh, and let's start with Botafogo. Uh, they lose to Sao Paulo 3 1. Um, fascinating game with uh, a lot of implications um, that we will get to uh, in a moment's time. Uh, but uh, Really good game and a surprising start from uh, the relatively uh, small side, Botafogo. Yeah, a small side, but uh, a side that has been causing a lot of harm to many Brazilian teams in this Campeonato Paulista. They actually began the game really well attacking uh, while they were playing home and actually scored in the third minute with Robinho, who had a, a decent header from across and gave his team the lead. But uh, we saw a Sao Paulo side that at the end of the first half, started to improve in their playing style. And as soon as that second half started, that's when the whole action began with so many chances attacking after attacking. And finally, they were able to find the equalizer. 1-1, uh, it was Luan who got in the score sheet. And Sao Paulo was really like putting the pressure in to Botafogo. And I'm glad they were doing that because as Santos supporters, we needed to see a bad result. From the home team and seeing them go up early in the third minute was uh we it made us feel sort of in a disadvantage but uh sao paulo completely turned the game and they were able to comfortably win 3-1 against a tough side yeah definitely and, and remember uh the group a um that had botafogo and santos um both these teams were on 14 points and when Botafogo took that early lead, that would have been uh, Santos eliminated. Um, so there was kind of a uh, uh, a union between the Santos and Sao Paulo supporters uh, in, in this match, uh, hoping for victory. 
Um, and yeah, you know, you, it was it was relatively straightforward once Sao Paulo got that first goal. And wow, what a goal that was from Luang. Uh, chested it down and just volleys it into the goal from way out. Really, really impressive stuff. They just hit a post beforehand. Um, and uh, you just had that feeling that, you know, uh, they were going to come back and win. And and that's what's, uh, unfortunately, it's, it's a lot of these fixtures in the state tournaments are straightforward and the big teams, you just know, you almost just know they're going to win. And you kind of got that feeling here. Um, Giuliano uh, Galopo as well adds a penalty goal to um, put them in front. And um, uh, Juan or Juan uh, heads in from the corner to make it 3-1 uh, in, the, in the last 10 minutes. So, um, looking at this result, uh, Enric, good result from Sao Paulo. Of course, they were already through. Uh, Botafogo wouldn't have been very ma- uh, happy with that result, uh, with their bid to keep progress to the knockout stage. So from a Santos point of view, this is a great thing. All Santos needed to do was just not even win, just draw against their opponents, Ituano. Um, so let's move on to that game. What happened? We just needed the point and we're the big team against the small fry minnows of Ituano, uh, should be straightforward, right? Yeah. I don't even know where to start. Uh, from the first minute of the game, I expected much more from a Santos team. Uh, I'm not saying that we should have gone and, one three four nil but at least uh showed that we want to be in the competition and based on the highlights or the game that i watched live uh we're nowhere competitive near near that uh compared to other brazilian teams and it seemed like we were sort of telling ituano hey score as many goals as you want we want to get out of this competition as soon as possible so really shocking to see goals going one after another Defenders, as always, making horrible mistakes. And Joe Paulo, I know he's a great keeper, but he can't do it all by himself. Like, if you put five keepers in the net and 11 players trying to score, though the players, of course, are going to be able to score no matter if you have the best five keepers in the world trying to save the ball. So at the end of the day, it is it is what it is. It sort of brings back memories, personally, for me, Um Going back to 2014 when Ituano won in the penalty shootouts, the Campeonato Paulista. I remember watching that game and after the game ended uh, that night, I told myself from now on, I'm going to put the team that actually won the competition as the wallpaper of my phone (laughs) to sort of punish myself, even though I had (laughs) nothing to do with the game. Like I was really young and I wanted to do the same thing now, but it it was too childish. And I hope we're never going to see this uh, Santos side ever again, like the way how we played. I want a team to be built around players that know what they're doing and they want to achieve what they, what the fans want. Yeah. I mean, so the long short of it here, Ituano three, Santos nil, um, just so disappointing and so we've seen so many of these just poor results from santos um we've talked about it on the pod numerous numerous times uh but you know this is a this is what uh 
some would describe as a crunch match, right? All we have to do is do better than Botafogo. They lost. We need a point. We, that's all we needed to get through and progress to the knockout stage of a, of a competition we should be progressing to. We're one of the big four in Sao Paulo. We should be making it through to the next stage. There's no excuse. Um, and they couldn't. And, you know, I think I've said before, Santos, they've been dis- they can be disappointing. They can be insipid. They can be bland. They can be just out of ideas. But I always thought, and we saw this the other weekend with Corinthians, the game against Corinthians, that I think they play, they, they, they can talk themselves up to be, you know, these bigger occasions and play to a higher level when there are these big occasions, like a, a big Classico. But I, and I, that's what I was expecting in this match, but they just were not up to it. Yeah, I agree. And you, when you see other teams like Palmeiras, as you mentioned, Corinthians and Sao Paulo, it's completely different of how they play and how we play. Uh, you go back to that uh, Botafogo against Sao Paulo game. Sao Paulo was actually playing with Galopa as strikers. Galopa is a midfielder. Luciano is a striker. He was playing midfielder. And although they were one goal down for one hour, no problem. They were able to come back and comfortably win the game. And you look at Santos, nothing to be seen in 90 minutes, at least be able to score a goal. Like it's horrible the way how they ended this competition. And you could argue that uh, we're in a tough group uh, with Red Bull Bragantino. I think you've said that we've been like that for the last couple of years. But mm. is that even bad when you're actually facing three uh, big Brazilian sides, not four compared to other teams? So, like you could say, Palmeiras, they have to play Santos, Red Bull, and Corinthians, and Sao Paulo. So, yeah. we actually are in a group with uh, another big rival, but we actually get to not play against them. So, this should be the opportunity to get as many points as possible. And when you go back to that first game, I think against Mirasol, we barely won 2-1 or 3-1. I'm not really sure. Maybe a 2-1. It was one goal scored by the away side and then we were able to come back and every win that we have gotten so far has been either a one nil or a zero zero or three nil three one defeat so i hope next year it's going to be a much better competition and hopefully we get past the group stage unlike uh the previous two or three years yeah yeah third year in a row santos will not progress to the knockout stage um and some pretty shocking errors from both center backs, uh, Joachim and Macon, two experienced, more more or less experienced players that should know better. Both have played Serie A games. Um, you know the midfield too. You look at it, Doji. Okay, yeah, maybe he's a little bit less experienced, but Rodrigo Fernandez, Lucas Lima. Um, we didn't have the best front line. Angelo and Marcos Leonardo were not available, but. Really what cost us in the end were, were our back line. We had something like 70% of possession. And it just took Ituano a few counterattacks to, uh, to exploit. Um, and, uh, and it's just, I mean, one shot on target. I'm just looking at the stats right here. Uh, pretty pathetic showing for Santos. And, and something that you might expect in one of the dog days of this competition but certainly not in a in a crucial game that's going to mean uh, progressing to a knockout stage. So really disappointing. Uh, this team was not um, 
you know, in it, looking good whatsoever. Um, uh, not a lot to say. I mean, after this game, it just looked like that whole back line needed needed to be rebuilt, um, which is uh, a, a bit disappointing to say, seeing as two of those players we've just signed this year. Um, so I, I think we've kind of said it all here and we're spending a lot of time on, on the Santos match, uh, but really just disappointing and and it's just sad to see one of the the big teams just can't even make it out of the group uh the group phase so we'll leave it there um Ituana, of course uh more or less a decent side and and you saw them threaten in Serie B to be promoted to Serie A uh for this year just falling just short um but uh but yeah so Final groups uh, in Group A, Red Bull, Braganchino, and Botafogo of Sao Paulo will progress. Um, Sao Paulo and Agua Santa will progress. From Group B, uh, Corinthians and Ituana will progress. Um, and then Palmeiras and uh, the um, very impressive Sal Bernardo uh, will progress from Group D. So uh, those two teams, uh, each team will play uh, the their group rival. So first versus second. Um, and then progress from there. Just to add on to that, uh, I know this is a four group, four team uh, selection. And in order to qualify, each group needs to have two sides advancing and two that don't advance. And going back to when the uh, state league actually began, we talked about how the format is not something that we would really like. And you could actually see that... Uh, in the points that each team accumulated. For example, uh, Palmeiras and Sao Bernardo both had at least 26 points, which gave them automatic advancement. But then you see sides like uh, Mirasol and Guarani, 14 and 15 points, and they were not able to qualify. But who qualifies? Ituano with 12 points. So it's crazy how that allowed to happen when a team has been actually performing better than the others but just because you're in a tougher or easier group than the others you get a chance to play in the playoffs so I'm not really a fan of this and I hope the Brazil state hopefully changes the rules in the upcoming seasons yeah yeah and it's just one of those things that's unfortunate but uh it's the the competition that we play with and um even more than that I mean just looking if they even just took you know, the top, um, the top eight teams, I mean, Santos probably still would not be included. So even more disappointing from Santos, uh, I expect a reaction, uh, from the board in, in terms of signings and, and other structural reforms, as far as the, the technical, um, strategic plan and, and technical plan is, uh, from, um, from Helmand. All right. So that's Sao Paulo, knockout stages coming soon. Let's move uh, up the coast to Rio de Janeiro, Campeonato Carioca, um, and lots of excitement in this one. Um, let's just uh, go back. I think we were talking um, just before the, the big Flamengo and Vasco uh, Clasico uh, in match week 10 last week. Uh, and we were making some predictions. Um, you know, Flamengo not in the best form, feeling a bit down on themselves, and Vasco uh, on their way up. Um, and it turned out exactly that way. Vasco won a Flamengo nil. Yeah, and after that elimination from the Rocopa, uh, 
we were all expecting Flamengo to come back and comfortably win this match, although it was a tough match, and hopefully many goals being scored, which was completely not the case. Only one goal scored by Vasco da Gama, and overall, it was a great game. Uh, Deras Caeta played really well. He hit the post from far range, and they later gives a, gave a really good ball to Gabigol, who was unable to score, by the way. Pedro Raul, uh, also, it wasn't his night. Um, he hits a crossbar on the volley, and then the header strikes and hits the crossbar again. And later, he also missed a penalty, so that could have possibly gave Vasco da Gama another goal. But the first one that actually came and the only goal scored was by Rodriguez, extremely far. Uh, and from a volley, it goes in. Santos was unable to save that, as no keeper would be able to do that from that. Uh, speed of that ball and in my opinion that goal deserves to be goal of the season it was really good and I really like to see that in such a big rivalry yeah that was insane but uh but yeah like you said I mean we I think we were expecting a lot of uh, attacking play and and that's what you saw but they just they just missed that just that little bit of uh of quality to just put the ball in the net and you think you'd like you said Dahaskaeta uh, Pedro Raul, Gabigol, um, all these great players uh, that uh, that were featured, um, they just couldn't put the ball in the net, and it took an outside back. Uh, um, kind of an interesting player that I didn't know too much about, but uh, Jose Rodriguez, or they they call him Puma or Pumita, um, scores an absolute thunderbolt um, from way, way, way out. Um, and just a bit ironic that it's, it's the, the outside back that's, uh, that's scoring the goal, but yeah, just incredible and just blazes it by poor Santos, um, Santos and, and Leo Jardim, the, the keepers from, uh, each side making some excellent saves too. Um, including that penalty that you made, uh, or that you referenced earlier on, on Pedro Raul. But, uh, but wow, yeah, I, I totally agree. Goal of the season or goal of the competition, at least so far for me. Um, and uh, yeah, Pumita, I, I like the look that guy. Um, uh, Uruguayan international, went to the World Cup, didn't uh, make an appearance, but was still in the squad. So, um, and a young guy too, I think 22, 23 years of age. So uh, really nice little player that, that Vasco have um, on their hands. And uh yeah, if if you haven't seen the goal already, go to YouTube and check it out because it is uh, pretty wicked sick. Um, so, Flamengo, another another defeat here, um, and we'll get to uh, their next match in a moment here. But we'll just round out the the match week ten fixtures. Uh, Bangu uh, losing quite heavily. Fluminense beating up on them five nil. Uh, Herman Cano, of course, all the usual suspects scoring. John Arias, Herman Cano does uh, uh, does a brace, and, and our, our old pal Gonzo even gets in on the fun. Uh, Botafogo also winning, um, and, and then we move to match week eleven again. Another crucial, crucial match for so long. Flamengo have had the um, the lead and quite a big lead uh, in uh, this phase of. Uh, of the Campeonato Carioca. Uh, they call it the Tasa um, uh, Guanabara, uh, which is essentially just the big table of all 12 teams. And, and whoever finishes first uh, get, wins the Tasa or the, the Guanabara Cup 
um, and uh, goes to the semifinals, but it, it is a trophy um, in this first phase. Um, so it was Fluminense and Flamengo. Uh, Flamengo needed, I think, just a point. Fluminense needed to win. And wow, we were treated to uh, quite a game and a dramatic finish by a familiar face. Uh, but start off pretty well for Flamengo with an electric goal from uh, from Everton. Yeah, and Everton is actually a player that we've been mentioning a lot and the way how he always comes on, although he started in this game, always gives all his efforts and helps the team by either scoring a goal or assisting. And this time, what a goal he scored, took the ball. It kind of reminded me of that uh, Neymar goal in 2011 against Flamengo, how he combined with a couple of players and then had that crazy dribble and got the ball in the net. Same thing here with Everton Sabulinha. Got three or maybe even four away from four players and was able to score. And what a goal that was. Unbelievable. And unlucky for him, that wasn't the winning goal because uh, Herman Cano actually came back and scored, made it 1-1. And a player that uh, you mentioned earlier, somebody who I have recently criticized, I think I said that him seeing him go to Cuiabá probably hurt his footballing career. But after making the move to Fluminense, Gabriel Pirani got the winning goal and the goal that Fluminense needed to win the competition. Yeah, I mean, so much there. And 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 let's let's just go back. I just want to emphasize that Everton Sabalina goal. I mean, we just we talked about the the goal from uh, uh, Puma Rodriguez. But Everton Sevilla's goal was was great too, and I love the comparison to the Neymar goal, especially because uh, uh, it was against Flamengo this time, obviously for Flamengo. But um, yeah, cut through, slice through Fluminense's uh, entire right side, and uh, just slots in the goal, and it just reminded me of how good uh, Sevilla can be. Um, you know, he's got all the tools, all the talent, all the speed, all the finesse. Just gotta put it together. Um, and get that confidence back because this is a player that has, um, you know, has the quality, I think, to, to compete at a high level in Europe. Um, but uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out and he's back in Brazil. But it's a it's a treat for us to, to watch him in, in Brazil. Um, but yeah, great goal. Um, and then it's crazy how things can, can how easily they could have gone the other way. Uh, Gabriel Barbosa, Gabigol actually made it 2-0 or at least thought he did. Um, scoring another goal, but uh, after a quick VAR check, uh, it was disallowed for a foul. And uh, like you said, Herman Cano um, uh, responded. And, uh, and again, Herman Cano, kind of the trigger man, uh, but uh, Fluminense took their their turn shredding up the Flamengo defense with some really nice intricate passing and a, a nice cheeky little nutmeg as well. Um, before just uh, the nice uh, clean cutback to Herman Cano that made it 1-1. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I did think uh, of you. I, I wasn't watching live, but I, I was kind of watching some of the live tweets scroll in, and I and I saw uh, Gabriel Ferrani, uh, his name come up when he scored that goal, and remember your comments. And it was a strange deal. He fell off the face of the, of the planet, seemingly, for Santos, uh, he was wearing the 10 for Santos at one point in the Sudamericana, um, just letting you know, but it, he just fell off, uh, fell off the, the radar 
uh, loaned Guiaba and we shifted him on. Um, and he's already making a great impact, scoring that goal. Kind of a weird one. Um, a free kick that kind of hit a bunch of Fluminense players that couldn't get a handle on it. Um, and Pirani, the ball found its way to Pirani and he uh, fired it in uh, in the 85th minute to give Fluminense the win. Um, and uh, they would enjoy the trophy celebrations. Uh, it was Fernando Denise's first trophy. Um, uh, and first of many, probably, with if the, he keeps this Fluminense side um, performing very well. Uh, but uh, it wouldn't be uh, a Clásico involving Felipe Mello without uh, a little bit of uh, tension and, and, and uh, pushing and shoving. Uh, isn't that right, Enric? Yeah, and I think Felipe Mello got his own trophy as well, something that he <laughs> always strives for in each game. <laughs> so as soon as that Gerson um, tried to kick the ball from a Fluminense player, that's when the, all the fights started happening and a bunch of yellow cards. And I believe Felipe Mello was the only one with the red. So he got sent off, but not for long because he was able to come back and celebrate with the team after the win. But something that we would normally expect from a huge rivalry, and we said that it's going to happen on the Grinnell Derby, which we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes. But overall, it was a great match, 2-1 victory for Fluminense. At least we saw a lot of goals scored here, and I'm happy that uh, Fluminense won this trophy, but I'm also happy that Flamengo wasn't able to win because the more they don't win, the closer the coach is to getting fired, who, in my opinion, should happen as soon as possible. Yeah, I think that's the opinion of a lot of Flamengo fans, uh, especially after this match. Um, you know, losing it to such a key rival, um, and especially in the manner that they did, it's uh, it, it's 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 got to make Flamengo fans, uh, including our boy Owen, uh, pretty upset. Um, so yeah, Fluminense, uh, win. And, uh, like you said, it was also, I kind of liked the, uh, the Arturo Vidal versus Felipe Melo two uh, kind of, um, antagonists kind of going head to head. Um, very, very kind of, uh, interesting, uh, interesting contrast there. So, uh, Fluminense do get the win. Um, uh, another kind of more embarrassing loss, Portuguesa of Rio, um, uh, defeat Botafogo um, and uh, in the other news um, Vasco defeat Bangu um, which was important uh, for them uh, they needed to uh, to move up into that fourth place which they did with the win Botafogo uh, ending up in fifth uh, not going to the Campeonato Carioca uh, semifinals uh, which is disappointing for them um some uh some pretty upset tweets from our boy pete uh from uh, glorious botafogo um so definitely give him a follow to stay abreast of everything uh, about botafogo but uh lots of action going on there and um luis castro uh some questions being raised uh, about the manager of uh botafogo so uh, always interesting times Okay, so the uh, the end result here is Tasa Guanabara, first place, Fluminense. They win this phase. Flamengo in second, Bosco in third, and uh, surprising um, Volta Redonda uh, in, um, in fourth place. 
Yeah, and it's a team that not many people hear about these days. And the fact that they took Botafogo's spot is pretty amazing. And actually, their player is uh, second in a top goal scorer for the Campeonato Carioca ahead of Pedro Raul. So that tells you how good they have been this season. And being able to score goals, I'm sure they're going to do great things in the next stage as well. Yeah, definitely. And uh, a great, great badge. Um, really like their badge. Um all right. So uh, you mentioned it earlier. Uh, I think we had been talking this up for weeks. Definitely last week we were talking about Reynal, the big derby in the South, Gremio versus Internacional. Um, first Grenal of the season. Um, and wow, what a game. Uh, we were talking before. Um you uh, you said uh, watching the Santos match and then watching uh, this match was like watching two different sports, and I couldn't agree more. Uh, this game had it all drama, um, tension, and, and most of all, a lot of quality. Yeah, and uh, back going back to my prediction last week, I don't think I made a prediction for the scoreline, but for the red cards. And I said there's going to be at least two reds and six yellows, which wasn't the case. But Gremio finds uh, a winning two goals, actually, that they scored. Internacional uh, scored one, and both of Gremio's uh, goals were scored in four minutes at a time for each half. So... That's all they need, four minutes at a time, and they get the job done. And it was a really fast-paced match with both teams creating so many chances. It was Cristaldo and Kaler from Gremio who missed two great opportunities at the start and could have made it easily 1-0 or 2-0, but wasn't the case. And Gremio's defender uh, kept blocking uh, a certain goal for Inter, which they could have scored and right again. Again, right before the halftime, it was another long shot, as we've seen and mentioned about the other games. Vina, who puts Gremio up ahead of the first half, and crazy to see the like all these goals this week score being scored from far range. Like it's incredible. Like where did they all come from? Like why couldn't they score these in the previous weeks? And that just tells you the passion of the Brazilian players when it comes to competitions like these and uh, tournaments about to end. So they got to put all their efforts in and try to win as many games as possible. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, I mean, wow, this this match was crazy back and forth. Like you said, Cristaldo, again, I, I bring this up probably every time we, uh, we talk about Franco Cristaldo. Really great start with Gremio uh, so far, the Argentine. Uh, every time I see him scoring a goal, or in this case, he had this acrobatic um, kind of redirect of the ball um, that hit the post. Um, and, and right after, Kaler smashed the ball into the ground and it bounced uh, over the net. Uh, but Cresaldo, again, was linked to Santos so close to to, uh, to getting him, and he would have been a great signing. But he's having so much success at, at Gremio, and, and he's really um, – linked up well with the the team especially Luis Suarez um but uh but yeah like you said Vina just smacking it from way out and uh just as the half is closing um Gremio are uh, are up 1-0 yeah and even in the second half again we saw the same thing happening 
Uh, as we saw in the first half, both teams attacking. And although Gremio was ahead, they were also trying to find that second goal. But that goal didn't come until the 76, and it was actually Internacional who were able to equalize with Alan Patrici, who I believe was a ex-Santos player back in uh, 2011 when uh, Santos won Copa Libertadores. It might be another uh, Alan Patrique. Maybe I'm mistaken, but I'm pretty sure he's the one. And he had a great career, played in Ukraine for Shakhtar Donetsk and came back to Brazil and really happy to see him score goals as he did last season with Inter as well. And getting that goal didn't mean that Internacional uh, finally got the point from this match. It was a second goal, as I mentioned earlier, from Carballo. Uh, he made some really great combination, passing combinations with Camacho and won it, won it for the home side. And for me, uh, Grammy was the better side and deserved to win. And Inter was just a team that maybe deserved to get at least a point. But as they were playing away... Uh, I think Gremio was the team that had the advantage and deserved the three points. Yeah, I totally agree too. I thought Gremio was was just a little bit better, um, and uh, you know, it's it's just one of those things. It's it's pretty impressive to see all. I mean, they've got Hanato Gawusho back in, in charge. Um, he of course won Copa Libertadores with them, but it's just really impressive to see. I know they've got all these quality players um full of you know talent and experience but they were in Serie B they were in the second division just last year and Internacional finished second and it just goes to show you that um you know how one how competitive Gremio looks like they could be right off the bat but um also you know not to be a little bit more pessimistic but these state tournaments you really don't know what you have and what you'll see in uh, the Brasileirao, for example. Um, but I do think Gremio are um, are for real, and I think they're gonna they're gonna place pretty high up in uh, Brasileirao, and um, they look they look great. Uh, Luis Adriano as well um, got a uh, um, got a chance here, um, and uh, yeah, it was just a great game, and you just got that you got that feeling when Internacional scored that. They had they were so it was so tense before and they got this like relief and um like you said uh Gremio scoring at, at the last minute four minutes of added time and um just just crazy uh crazy scenes and and Luis Adriano of course also picking up an assist on Alan Patricki's goal so um it was really entertaining and I think this rivalry is really going to bloom and flourish as as Internacional and Gremio both look to be uh, top teams in uh, in Brazil this year. Yeah, I'm sure they will. And they're both contenders to win the Brasileiro. And even though Gremio came back from Serie B, it just shows you how competitive they are with all the signings that they were able, they were able to bring in Luis Suarez and Cristaldo and so many players. They have a great stadium. And I'm sure that after making the return to Campeonato Brasileiro, they're going to aim not maybe not for the to win it but at least for the top four uh spots for copa libertadores next year yeah definitely definitely and you know luis suarez is going to be gunning for that as well um so just a quick status report one match day to go in uh the gaucho so it's not over technically uh but it's more or less over gremio are uh 
uh, nine points ahead of Internacional in second. Uh, they've won nine, only drawn one. They've only given up five goals in those 10 matches. And you can look at the level of quality and you can say, okay, that's not that great. But, you know, they looked really good and they've been beating up on, on teams and they're scoring more than, uh, they're at a more than two goal per game clip, um, which, you know, we can look at around the league and around Brazil. You know, it's not easy to get yourself up and, and play these these games for small teams uh, in the state competitions. You know, it's it takes a lot of mental fortitude. Yeah, Grêmio has been really good. And on average, they have been able to score more than two goals per game and conceded half a goal, if I could say, for each of these games. And Internacional, as you said, right behind them. Ipiranga and Caixa. Uh, Ipiranga actually qualified for the next stage, a team that... Again, probably not many people have heard of. And Kaisha almost getting a fourth. There are three points clear of Juventuji, who have been relegated to Serie B, but they need at, for sure to get three points in the next round. And they need Kaisha to lose and concede as many goals as possible. Otherwise, they're not going to be able to make it to the next stage. And overall, uh, I think Juventuji is the only disappointment from the big teams. And before we made the predictions, I was expecting uh, either Brazil de Pelotas or Novo Hamburgo to possibly go to the next stage, but wasn't the case. And at least we have the two main contenders finishing first and second, the two teams who I believe would win this competition. Yeah, so pretty straightforward um, as far as the teams that are probably going to win it. Uh, it's definitely going to be one of those two teams, but... Uh... Uh, you'll have to see um, it's it is uh, these these competitions can get a little when it gets to the you know the the finals it's entertaining but it can be a slog until then uh, another competition that's going pretty much as expected uh, Campeonato Minero uh, Atletico Min uh, Minero picking up um, uh, another win um, Sasha and Vargas um, contributing to their 3-0 win um, America getting a win 3-1 um, and Cruzeiro drawing um, so eight games in um, it's really no surprise that America, Atletico uh, and Cruzeiro are all um, uh, to be qualified uh, for the knockout stage um, and you, get, you feel that it's going to be one of those three teams um, uh, that are going to win. Any notes on uh, the goings-on in Minas? Not really. Uh, as you could expect, the three teams going through. And if, in my opinion, there is three big teams, but actually at, um, the Atletico and America Minera are the main contenders looking at how Cruzeiro has performed. They had three wins, three draws, and two losses, something that you wouldn't really expect from a side that won Serie B last season. And Tumbense, I would have liked them to see uh, go through. They're currently in Serie B, and I would have hoped to see a really tough competition in the next round, but wasn't the case. Athletic Club uh, was able to get on the next stage, and we're going to have to wait and see how they're going to do against big sides. Yeah. Yep, we will have to wait and see. Um, all right, let's just touch on uh, some of the other state leagues. Uh, we'll just give you a quick rundown on what's going on, who's going through. Um, some of the big teams are um, 
are in it. Uh, of course, um, we will go to Parana. Um, little bit of a surprise here. Uh, we're actually in the quarterfinals phase already. Kind of a wild competition. Uh, 12 teams involved, uh, two get relegated, eight actually advance to the quarterfinals. So there are just two kind of teams that uh, don't do anything. They're in the dead zone. But um, uh, pretty much business as usual. Atletico Paranaense, of course, uh, topping that. Zero losses. Very impressive. Corachiba, just the one loss. I believe it was... Um, I can't remember actually. I think they drew with Atletico, but uh, Gorachiba down 3 1 in the first leg of the quarterfinals. Um, uh, Cascavel uh, up 3 1 on them. Um, so we'll have to see if they can stage a comeback. Gorachiba, of course, uh, one of the stronger clubs in, in this region and has been punching above, above its weight, um, I would say, in, um, in uh, the Brasileirao. Uh, but um, nothing too exciting going on in Paraná. Any notes there? Well, in my opinion, the name of the state uh, just tells you who the winner is going to be. <laughs> I think there's no doubt that Atletico Paranaense will win this competition easily. Maybe they're going to be... You would think that they would face Corchiba in the final, but it seems like that's not, not going to be the case until they, unless they turn everything around in the upcoming leg against... Cascavel and going back to that 12 team qualification I was actually a little surprised Londrina not only they weren't able to get through but they also were very close to the relegation uh, zone with six points ahead of Rio Branco who got relegated and Londrina a team that actually plays in Serie B as well and reminds me of 2013 or 2014 Copa do Brazil when we faced them uh, we had players like Gabi Gol and Santos was in that transition version when Neymar left the club and us trying to fill everybody in and waiting to see great results. So it brings back old memories and I'm really disappointed not to see him go through to the next stage. Yeah, Londrina as well. They, uh, I, I think uh, Lucas Lorenzo, um, a former Menino de, uh, Menino de Villa and a former Santos player, that was really highly rated, um, kind of an attacking midfielder that uh, could play out on the wings as well. Um, he plays there now, and I uh, haven't really been uh, following him, but uh, I wish him all the best. Uh, good player, and uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's doing pretty well for uh, Lundry now. Um, all right, let's go to Sierra. Um, again, very much, you know, uh, business as usual. Fortaleza and Sierra. Uh, running things. Um, it looks like there's going to be uh, those two in uh, the final uh, or the semifinal phase right now. Um, uh, we'll, we'll have to see uh, what, but I mean, we'd expect those two teams to go through, especially Fortaleza, such a strong side. Uh, we'll touch upon their Libertadores kind of misstep in a second here, but uh, by far the strongest team in uh, in the competition. And uh, I would expect them to uh, not only reach the final, but go through and win it. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think as well, uh, either Fortaleza or Serra are the main contenders and Fortaleza is probably surely going to win it. And no surprises in any other team. Ferroviario uh, got to the quarterfinals of another competition, which I'm not really sure what it's played for, but we'll have to wait and see if they're going to be able to reach the final or not. 
All right. Um, so just moving again on the list, no shocker here uh, in Goyas, uh, Atletico Goyanense and Goyas, um, both in the semifinals. Um, you'd expect them to reach the final and battle it out. Um, I'm assuming you don't have any notes on that. So I'll move to Bahia um, as well. Of course, the the club that um, has the name of the um, of the state, of the state. Uh, Bahia is uh, is uh, ranked first overall, and you, again, you'd expect them to uh, to uh, progress to the final and win it. Of course, they have uh, um, a majority stake owned by the City Football Group, and that's why Kaiki, uh, Manchester City owned uh, winger, former Fluminense, plays for them. Uh, he has been doing well. I know he scored recently. Um, so just a player that you can keep your eye on if you're uh, interested in the um, uh, Bahia State Tournament. Uh, any notes on uh, any of those? Anything of interest that you wanted to add there, Henry? No, I think Bahia as well is probably going to win this competition. Although from nine games, they were only able to win seven and lost two. Who I'm not sure who they lost two games against, but I would expect them to win the competition easily and hopefully we'll see a great season for them in the next Campeonato Brasileiro as well. They're a side that came from Serie B and just like Gremio and Cruzeiro and Vasco, it's one of the teams that you're a little worried as a Santos fan how we're going to turn up and play against them next next season in a couple of months. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, all right, so those are the state tournaments. Um, a little bit more interesting football being played uh, across the continent. Uh, Libertadores qualification is, of course, going on, the final phase of the qualification. Uh, let's get these teams in or out and get these groups um, uh, established here. Uh, Brazilians are in action. Uh, Mijanarios from Colombia uh, have faced off against Atletico uh, Mineiro, uh, drawing 1-1 in Colombia. Um, and Fortaleza uh, falling nil, uh, one nil to uh, Cerro Porteño, uh, the Paraguayan Giants. Uh, any notes on uh, either of these two clashes, Henrik? Well, last uh, round we saw an Atletico Mineiro and Fortaleza crushing their opponents. And although Atletico was playing away from home, I thought that they would at least maybe not comfortably win it, but win it by one or two goals. Wasn't the case. Millonarios actually scored the first goal in the first half. And after that goal was scored, that's when we saw Atletico Mineiro actually come back and try to create more opportunities until they find an equalizer with Paulinho. And I think it's not a bad result because heading on next week when they play the reversing game in Brazil, I'm sure Atletico Mineiro would easily win this game. And also Fortaleza, they were playing at home and they had no room for error. And surprisingly, Cerro Porteño scores with Diego Shireen. And as soon as I saw the name in the list, it seemed like a name that I've heard about and did my research and realized he played for Gremio for in 2020 until 2022 season. And it's actually also surprising how Cyril Porteno played the last 20 or 30 minutes while having a red card. And even with that, Fortaleza wasn't able to score. So uh, I'm excited to see what's going to happen in the return leg. It's going to be a tough match in Paraguay and hopefully the Brazilian team advances. Yeah, 30 minutes uh, going a man down and Cyril Porteno was able to hang on. Um, 
Fortaleza not able to find the goal. And like you said, now, you know, we saw the Brazilians go abroad last time and kind of, you know, get a draw, 1-0 win, whatever it was, um, and then come back and crush their opponents back in Brazil. Fortaleza, of course, playing in Fortaleza um, and just couldn't get on the, couldn't get on the board. So it's going to be a really tough game. And, um, yeah, we'll have to see if they can, they can beat the uh, – one of the two – big massive paraguayan sides there that they have um the other of course being olympia um but uh but yeah so some big teams already and some drama already in this phase of uh libertadores all right yeah um all right uh copa de brazil uh still going on again early phases um couple of uh little notes here brazil to pelotas winning bahia winning um and kind of a good feeling although i think it was expected uh santos beating up um on a team iguatu um three nil uh double from marcus leonardo and young lucas barbosa as well chipping in uh, that first goal yeah and the team who I think plays in Syria D or day as they call it in Brazil and nothing surprising from Santos, a game that you would expect to, for them to easily win. And I think I turned up the game around the 40th minute. And as soon as I saw two nil, I was like, wow, even for a, a easy team, I'm glad we were able to get the job done in the first half. And throughout the game, I watched maybe 10 to 20 minutes overall I saw Santos' side who played really well, but I'm not sure if I could say that because they were just throwing around a lower division team and that team wasn't able to do anything. They couldn't hold the ball and no matter how how we played, either good or bad, Santos still was able to get the job done. I saw Marcos Leonardo's uh, second goal was actually pretty good. A chip ahead of the keeper who came out the goal and I'm glad we got everything done and now we're headed to the third stage where we're probably going to first tougher opponents, maybe Corinthians or another big Brazilian club. Yeah. Now the, the real Copa de Brazil will, will kind of begin. We've been playing these smaller sides and, uh, and it'll be a little bit more entertaining for, for all involved. Um, but regardless, Marcos Leonardo, always good to see him on the score sheet. Um, so, uh, something to feel good about if you support Santos as we do, of course, uh, just a few notes before we head up to the coming games. Um, there are some big ones, of course, as the state championships wind down and enter their knockout phases, but, uh, Marcelo presented, uh, just today, we're recording this Friday and he's back in Brazil. He's greeted by a throng of fans, uh, in the, uh, the, the airport there in Rio. So, uh, he's going to be back in that tree color very, very soon. And uh, I think everyone's really excited about that. Uh, so Fluminense on the uh, on the ascent, they'll look to add the Campeonato Carioca trophy uh, to their trophy count this year, uh, which is already sitting at one, of course, because of their win of the Tasa Guanabara. Um only other thing to note here is um, a saga that's been going on for maybe the past few weeks. Angelo, of course, uh, the young starlet from Santos, <clears throat> linked to a move, uh, a couple of Brazilian, or excuse me, English clubs, 
looking at um, uh, the the shirt eleven for Santos, um, and it came out uh, a few weeks ago that Flamengo were seriously interested, um, and I think everyone was very very, um, you know, they, they no one thought this was a good idea. And uh, they, what they, I think most people just didn't want to see a, a Bundesliga type situation where one club buys all the best players in the league. Um, they definitely don't want to see that with Flamengo. We've seen some failed attempts. Uh, Michael from uh, from Goyas moving to Flamengo, and now he's off somewhere in the desert. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I was really against this move. Um, although it's rumored Santos accepted the deal, um, but luckily Angelo and his team today they came out put out a statement. He's staying put at Santos and he wants to move, I think, to Europe uh, in the summer. So um, uh, a little bit of a nervous time for a lot of uh, supporters of Santos and a lot of Brazilian fans that don't want to see the competitive balance in Brazil thrown too too far out of whack. So um, good news for everyone there. Um, uh, Angelos is staying put, at least for now. All right. So uh, as I said earlier, uh, the business end of these state competitions are um, coming to a head here. Uh, Enric, what are you? Uh, what are your matches that you're going to have a, your eye on in in the coming days here as we look at the uh, the quarterfinals of the Paulista and uh, Carioca? Well, they're going to be really good matches, uh, maybe against teams that aren't really that tough. For example, Palmeiras uh, playing against Sao Bernardo. Maybe you would think that Palmeiras would have an easy run, but Sao Bernardo actually finished second when you look at the overall table. And I'm sure they're going to at least score a goal and put uh, really challenge uh, the home side here and maybe even get a winner. Who Who knows? Corinthians Ituano, that's also going to be a great game, knowing how Ituano perform at these stages. And Corinthians is probably gonna advance, in my opinion, but still it's gonna be a tough game for, for them. Rebel Bragancino also, in my opinion, advances against Botafogo and Sao Paulo easily beats Agua Santa. Maybe I'm going crazy prediction here, 4-0, 5-0 Sao Paulo, based on what I've seen so far in the Campeonato Paulista from them. Okay. Like it. I like it. Uh, I bet you Galopo is going to score uh, if that <laughs> is the case. Um, but yeah, I mean, the game that I'm most interested in seeing just because I want to see Sao Bernardo really tested is Palmeiras and Sao Bernardo. Of course, you'd expect Palmeiras to go through, but I'd really, I'd love to see Sao Bernardo um, push them and, and maybe even uh, eliminate them. Um, kind of the... Uh, um, consolation competition the the trophy of the interior is also going to go on Santos not allowed to compete because they are one of the uh, traditional big four of the team uh, of the um, excuse me of the state but Guarani Portuguesa Santo Andre and Inter are all playing um, for that trophy so uh, some interesting clashes there from the lower sides of the Paulista um, same kind of setup in um, Campeonato Carioca Tasso Rio uh, is kind of the consolation competition. Um, places five through eight will play. Um, unfortunately, Botafogo finishing in that fifth place um, due to that loss at the last minute. Um, so you'd expect them to to uh, clean up and, and win the Tasso Rio. But uh, the final stage of the Campeonato Carioca has some really tasty fixtures, um, especially given their recent history. Uh, Flamengo on a slide 
uh, they'll face Vasco da Gama um, in that uh, that first semifinal, and then Volta Redonda facing Fluminense um, in that one verse four seed fixture. Uh, Enric, I'm going to uh, need some predictions from you right now. Okay, so going back to Tassarillo, I think Botafogo is surely going to win this competition. And then for the final stage, you would really like to see a Flamengo-Fluminense in the final, but I think Fluminense surely is going to advance. They would easily beat Volta Redonda, or maybe if not easily, even a 1-0 would do the job. But Flamengo-Vasco, a game that we talked about because it was played around a week ago, Seeing Flamengo lose 1-0, I think we're going to be seeing the same thing. If not, Vasco wins in penalties, and it's going to be a final between Fluminense and Vasco. Although I would have hoped to see Flamengo-Fluminense. Wow. Bold. Uh, I like it. I like it a lot, and I'm I'm going to echo that. I, I, You know, um, I think it's so tough. It is really so tough. Uh, that Flamengo and Vasco game, I think, is going to be awesome. Um, Flamengo are going to be out for revenge, of course. Um, but, uh, it's so hard. Fluminense, I think I, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and say Fluminense win this competition. Whoever they, uh, whoever they face in the final Flamengo or Vasco, I think they'll, they'll, uh, they'll win. And, um, I, you know, I'm anticipating Fernando Denise to, uh, to have another trophy in his trophy cabinet, uh, after this competition. All right, uh, looking ahead in uh, the Gaucho, the Monero, um, anything exciting going on in uh, those competitions that we can look forward to? Well, it's the last week of Campinato Gaucho and all the teams, Gremio, Internacional, Juventude, playing against easy side. As I mentioned, Juventude will need to make sure they win this game and it's going to be a tough one if they need to advance still they need to score a lot of goals and I don't think that's going to be the case and Gremio and Inter pretty much both qualified Gremio getting the ensuring the first spot and I think this this will be games where the coaches try out new players or players that don't really play for the team and it's going to be a good competition and heading on to Minero uh we're also in the knockout stages. Villanova will play an easy uh, team like Democrata and then Tombense versus Pozo Alegre for Trofeo, the consolation competition, as you said. And the real knockouts is uh, Cruzeiro, America Minero, a really big game here. I think America is the better team, but I would like to see Cruzeiro go through and versus Atletico Minero in the final, who play athletic club in the semifinals I don't think that's going to be a problem for them unless they're thinking about the Copa Libertadores match and if they're thinking about that this game will be complicated for them to advance to the final yeah definitely um yeah I I would I would agree with everything you said I think America are probably they may have a, a few less flashy players than Cruzeiro but I think they're a better team um and Atletico, I think they're gonna they're they're gonna slide by Athletic, um and that'll set up a nice final for uh for Gallo to win. <laughs> so uh, those are my predictions. Um, elsewhere, Copa do Brazil second round, um, a bunch of big teams in action: Coritiba, America, uh, Monero, uh, Goiás, Botafogo, 
Braga and Gino, uh, Atletico Goianense, Vasco, Sierra, Gremio. Um, so a whole laundry list of, of teams in action in uh, Copa do Brasil um, as we uh, we crawl, I guess um, you would say, uh, towards uh, some of the more interesting uh, fixtures that are sure to come in this competition. Um, all right. So uh, that concludes the podcast. Thanks, everyone, so much uh, for hanging in there and listening. Uh, we will be back uh, next week, of course with uh, tons more to report on all these exciting knockout round matches. Uh, Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.